Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 8, and it is officially 2021, which means it is officially hockey season. It is officially New York Rangers training camp. It is officially, we are back, Andy, and it feels great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I like how we both, we didn't plan this, we both got our Rangers hats on because we both know hockey is is here and we just felt it so it was a nice surprise uh yeah man i'm really excited obviously we're finally getting some information leaked out from uh the rangers just training camp roster is official and uh today jd and gorton spoke to the media so i mean i am so ready for hockey world juniors has been in full swing so that's been fun but the tournament's been a little top heavy (laughs) maybe even more so than usual with even some of the the stalwart powerhouses have have been struggling just because of uh, you know COVID losses and things of that nature. So, but man, I'm so excited! I'm so pumped. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to this on Monday when this episode drops, the Rangers are about to do their first day of on ice testing. Some other team, the teams that didn't make the the bubble uh, in over the summer, they have already started their training camps. So, man, it's uh, you know I'm sure the players are just as as pumped as the fans are, but uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, it's just great to see J.D. and Gorton kind of sit down and talk New York Rangers hockey because now for the first time you really feel like, okay, the organization is together. The players are get, are together. You know, they're going to be getting on the ice soon. You already see the teams that are back on the ice practicing. It just you finally feel it and see it, and it's coming from every direction. Uh, you know, I feel like Rangers Twitter is back now with this um, – uh, announcement this morning uh you know just kind of like a state of the union about the organization as a whole uh vince is you know tweeting up a storm it's just it's one of those things where you finally we got over the hump of 2020 and now we're into 2021 and you just it's like almost like a domino effect you know just one thing after another is happening and new york rangers hockey is back but first i think we should really dive into um you know, the hockey that kind of carried us to this point is the world juniors, which has been kind of like a roller coaster. I am, you know, I am shocked of what the U S team has done. I didn't think 
you know, we'd be in the position where we are, but here we are as the number one seed in our division. Uh, we take down um, Sweden to, to claim that number one spot. And now, you know, we're facing the four seed in Slovakia tonight at 10.30 p.m. Thanks a lot uh, for giving us the latest slot. I don't know why we're not the 3.30 slot. So, uh, Andy, like, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you must be, like, in shock and awe and just happy to see the U.S. have the number one seed. Yeah, I'm definitely happy. I think it's nice that they kind of get to – they had a little hand in uh, choosing their own fate. Uh, really surprised with the way Sweden has struggled. But, again, like I had said, you know, they've, they're missing some key players. You really feel that uh, Holtz and Raymond haven't looked like themselves. Definitely missing Carl Henriksen, New York Rangers prospect. He kind of stirs the drink and allows them to do what they do because he's just a smart player. And, yeah, those both those guys have really struggled. Um as for, as the far as the U.S. goes, I'm actually, you know, you look at Canada, who it, they, I don't want to say they're sleepwalking because they've played every game to the best of their ability, it looks like. But, you know, even games that they where they dominate, they give up a, some goals here or there. The U.S. has been really robust defensively. They're playing good team defense. You know, especially that was my biggest question. Some of those uh, middle six guys like getting, you know, your uh, Kalievs and your Brissons and your um, Cole Caulfields to, you know, play to play team defense. Yeah, they've really tried. And um, I actually think that some of that, you know, them losing to Russia early on might yeah. have been one of the best things that happened to this club because I feel like Canada hasn't really gotten punched in the mouth yet. Right. You know, no, they, they certainly haven't. I mean, they, they played a crippled Germany team, which I thought could give them, you know, problems. Um, and, and yeah, they kind of are sleepwalking through this whole thing, which kind of, I feel like sets up in the America's favor or, or or could lead to an early exit by you know Canada. So, I mean, looking at where, where we are right now as the number one seed, and then you, as of right now, Russia <clears throat> Russia defeated Germany in the qu first quarterfinal game of the day. So Russia moves on, which kind of keeps our prediction hopes alive of coming true of Russia taking it all. But again, I, Russia is like my my indicator of where the U.S. team stands, and you know. I, they play, you know, a puck possession game. They play, you know, a very team oriented game. Uh, you know, I, I really think Russia is getting better every game, but I think the U S has taken so much stride this whole tournament. It's, I believe in them. I believe they can do it. And they're number one in, in power play going at 40%. They're number one in penalty kill going a hundred percent. They're disciplined. They don't give up anything. And it's just really nice to see and i hope i'm not saying all these words to then have a letdown game and we get smoked tonight like 5-1 yeah i mean listen like i said canada really hasn't struggled at all if if anything they've just every step of the way they've looked pretty dominant but yeah i think the u.s has learned a lot about itself already in the course of this tournament uh they've made some adjustments and they're the better for it because you know, they're this good right now because everyone's been harping on the fact that Cole Caulfield has had struggle finding the net and that Arthur Kaliev is just kind of there and doesn't really back check her hard. But they've been good. You know, Zegras has not stopped. He's leading the tournament oh. in, in uh, points right now. He's insane. Uh, you know, Turcotte's finally got himself going a bit, which is nice because he's always driving good uh, results for that U.S. team in transition and defensively. But now he's finding the net. Uh, obviously, our boy Buzzsaw Brett Berard has moved his way up to the third line and he's I, I feel like he factors into almost every important goal. They, you know, he's either buzzing the tower, he's in the front, or he's makes a play in transition, or he's behind the net, or he's tying guys up. And yeah, it's just they really they have that element of they they're you know they're working hard. So uh, yeah, they've really 
They've really punched their own ticket here. And, you know, we say that sometimes it's like the team where you're not really sure about them. They seem to overperform or do, you know, do the best. Uh, so obviously really happy for the way the U.S. is rolling here. But, you know, their, their work still they still got their work cut out for them. You know, the they uh, play the checks tonight, right? Sorry. It's uh, yeah. So um, Wait, uh, sorry. What did I say? Slovakia earlier or no. Do they play Slovakia? No, tonight? I think it's Slovakia. I, yeah, sorry. Excuse me. They play Slovakia tonight. So yeah, listen. There's there's plenty of surprises to be had in this tournament. Um, you know, I feel bad for a team like Germany, who Tim Stutzla has really, you know, I was obviously high on him, but I there was some parts about me that questioned. And under you know under gunned and under man, he's really done as much as you could do in this tournament to try to will Germany to to be competitive. So kudos to him. He's really impressed the hell out of me. I'm sure Shane will be happy to hear that. Uh, at Sen's hour, um, you know, there's, but yeah, I mean, if you, really right now, this is between the U S Canada and Russia, it's one going to be one of those. I have a feeling it's gonna be one of those three teams or those are the three, your three metal teams, unless, you know, maybe Finland finally decides to, to turn it on at some point or, or, you know, Sweden, uh, tries to, yeah, just get their heads out of their ass and actually start skating. Um, but Oh man, it's uh, it's really kind of wide open. I really don't know. It's but I just know e any of those three teams can win gold. So uh, I I feel like I'm right where I'm at from the beginning. But at <laughs> least the proof is the concepts there. I don't doubt. I don't have more doubts that any of those teams can medal. Although you know, Russia's been a little bit up and down uh, depending on who their opponent has been. So that'll be that'll be the task for them. The task for Canada will be because they haven't really faced any the staunchest of competition yet and then like obviously for the u.s it'll have to be doing more of the same can they continue to be as good defensively and as good on the power play because those are what you need to kind of win these short tournaments so as long as they can keep that going they can they can definitely win yeah and the drama with canada it's so funny how when you have no talking points the drama then becomes is Byfield like a bust or is he not trying hard enough? Because so he's not factoring stupid. into anything. It's like, could you give the give the kid a break? And he's still at net. What does he have? Seven points now. Yeah, he had a he had a big uh, five or six point game the other night, and he was playing well the whole time. It's just he wasn't getting a lot of ice. He's still the youngest player on that team. People kind of forget. So, yeah, so I'm happy for him, and he's he looks way better. He's been. He's, he's yeah. been getting better and better in the last two games. He's been, you know, he was dominant in that one, the two games ago and he was, uh, dom you know, he's pretty dominant in that last game. So, you know, happy for him. Uh, but yeah, it's a, like you said, it's like when, you know, with the, with team Canada, Twitter, when there's not much narratives going on, cause they haven't had, faced any adversity, you start kind of eating itself from the inside and, and trying to make problems where there's not, you know, that's, uh, there Canada is really good, man. They're deep, you know, Byram and Drysdale, uh, are, when they're on the ice, it's like if one of them gets in trouble, the other one can bail the other one out with their skating and vice versa. Uh, you know, Schneider is doing everything you want from the the more robust stay at home D. He's heavy, closes guys off, sends a puck the other way, and that's it. You know, and it's been a recipe for success. And uh, obviously, they what you know you have to like about Dylan Cousins is flat out flying in this tournament. Uh, yeah, like all those guys. You know, we you hope Alex Newhook is okay because he got injured. Um, I think he was either the last game or the game before, but uh, yeah, man, they're they're going to be the toughest out, obviously, of the tournament. But uh, it will be interesting to see when they finally face some top flight competition in the way of one of the the big three in this tournament. So, 
uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still anyone's game as far as I can tell. And the quarterfinals that are going on today will be pretty in- indicative of uh, what to look for going forward. All right. So I got two more questions about the World Juniors for you before we move on to New York Rangers hockey. The first one being the the seedings uh, now with the quarterfinals going to the semis. Is it who would the two Canada play next round? Do they play like because they're the number one seed overall, I believe, because they do it by based on points. And so would they play this the the lowest seed available or I believe I believe so. I don't have the bracket in front of me, but I do believe that if they, you know, if they're at the top of their, they would play the lowest seed available. And then obviously you have your your relegation game uh, for those that didn't make it. Um, so the dreams of a, a Canada U.S. semifinal can only be postponed to a an actual gold medal game. I think so. I believe that is the case, but don't quote me on that. I'm not quite sure. I, I don't. I, almost positive that I read somewhere that they now can't because they both claim the number one seed in each division that they wouldn't be able to play each other until the until the, yeah that's what I but, thought but I mean yeah. who, who knows um yeah. okay and my second one is obviously there was a lot of controversy about these you know the the tier one teams beating up on maybe the tier two programs the t- tier two countries I should say and, you know, obviously it can get a little touchy when it's, you know, you start seeing the 10 nothing, 11, 12, nothing. And I know Canada's famous game against Germany, but that I don't that shouldn't really count given what Germany was going through that day. But, you know, how do you feel they should handle it in the future? Because, you know, I've seen everywhere everything from, you know, let's make the tournament smaller to let's expand the tournament. And, you know, I just want to see where your thoughts lie on what the best way to move forward to address that problem is. I definitely wouldn't make it smaller because some of the best moments in the history of this tournament are those upsets I was talking about because and they're rare, obviously, but they happen. And when they do, I mean, sometimes just, you know, those teams that come and they're bad the whole tournament, but they let they lay their hearts on the line to beat their rivals. You know what I mean? You know, the the Czechs always empty the tanks when they're facing Russia, even if they maybe on paper don't have the strongest team for that tournament. And when they win the way they celebrate, uh, yeah, you could just tell it's really important to them. And, you know, I think that this argument that's like if you're getting blown out uh, 10 to 2 from either the U.S. or Canada, then like, what's the point? Why are you there? You have no chance of winning. But it's about these tournaments are about more than that, man. It's about personal yeah. pride. It's about being able to represent your country and be on the, the, that stage. I think they would much these teams, even from, you know, uh, so, you know Kazakhstan and uh, some of these small countries, which they're maybe not see, don't end up seeding higher. They, it's important to them, you know. And and just making it to this point is a struggle. So, you know, you don't want to rob them of that. And like I said, sometimes these these upsets do happen. You know, these uh, miracle on ice esque results happen, and uh, just purely on the will and the hard luck, you know, some, some, you know, with the help of some posts and some good luck, but just on the will of the players and those moments, you can't trade that in for anything. And just seeing the look on those kids face when they pull that off, you know, something they thought that was a, a pipe dream for them is amazing. And it's the best feeling. So I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't make the tournament smaller. I don't know if I'd expand it only because I think the beauty of it is that it's a short but sweet tournament. And I just getting more teams in the mix. I don't, I don't really know, you know, I think. No, yeah, I'm with you. I agree 100%. I definitely wouldn't go smaller because then you kind of lose that, you know, you want a little bit of a Cinderella story, you know, 
there's nothing wrong with that narrative going into every you know world juniors and granted they are dominated by you know the same countries it seems like year after year but i think the w- one way to go about it would be to you know maybe have a secondary tournament where going on at the same time maybe elsewhere where you know the winner of that tournament then or the the, the medalists of that tournament get to go in and play uh in, in the actual world junior tournament and you know kind of always have like a feeder tournament to almost like a premier league in in soccer in england where the was it the top two programs uh replace the bottom two in the premier league like almost like a feeder yeah, system yeah. like that you know just the first off it gives those countries more exposure if there's more exposure younger kids are going to get interested in playing and you know, it just grows the game within their country. And 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 you hit the nail right on the head. I, I don't think it's embarrassing for these countries that are going up against Team Canada and getting blown out by 10. I don't think it's as embarrassing as you think it is. I think those kids see who's across the ice playing against it. They're prideful to play for the, you know, represent their country. And they're giving it their all. And they have every scout in the entire world watching them, uh, you know, from every pro league around the around the world. So, Trust me, these kids understand, you know, what's at stake. They understand what they're playing for. And it's not exactly the the scoreboard they're worried about. You know, they're worried about, you know, showing up, you know, and playing with pride for your for your country because you only you only get one or two chances at this. So, uh, you know, they try to make the most of it. Yeah, exactly. And just look at having players like Paterka and Stutzel have has done for a, a nation like Germany. Yeah. Whereas years ago, they were that. Yeah, they were in that same boat as some of those, even though they unfortunately due to uh, half their roster being uh, contracting COVID, they were the recipient of that uh, blowout loss to uh, Canada. But hey, man, they still fought. Like I said, Stutzla uh, and Paterka, they were both skating. And now and I mean, you look, they still have a few guys where in the years past they haven't. And just being in that conversation, it raises the game of that nation. So that next you hope that that next generation of kids are going to be even a step you know, you'll have more kids that caliber of a Paterka and eventually they get to a point where they have multiple, uh, yeah, multiple kids with that talent level, you know, or at least around that just yeah, a rising tide raises all ships and iron sharpens iron. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what, maybe, maybe this, you know, for the, the next couple of years, some of these teams won't be, but all it takes is just one kid emerging. Who's good to kind of raise the level of everyone else around him. And so that's what, and that's the beauty of this tournament. Yeah. And, you know, there's also been, you know, calls for maybe an all European team or something like that, where sort of like a, the North American and the the Europe team that we saw in the was it the World Cup of Hockey. I don't know if I like no, I that. that. It, it's like, like that these either. kids want to play for their country. It's it's the Olympics for them. So just let let it be. Let it let it, you know. Let it be what it is for now. And if you want to expand the tournament by having a, a second tournament going on at the same time with the, the smaller programs, then I, I think that would just, you know, do wonders for, for those countries. You know, just more exposure, you know, more competition. Just, you know, the, it'll, it'll eventually get there. It'll grow. It's got to take time, though. It can't happen within a year or two. That's not how this thing, these things work. So, um. That's all I have for the World Juniors. You have anything to add, Andy? Nope, just that as this tournament rolls on, it's been even the routes have been exciting just to like you said just to watch some guys get uh who are maybe a little bit snake bit to to finally get their confidence going, you know, so it's definitely good for that. So, uh no, I've enjoyed it and 
here on out, you know, it's going to get more competitive. So these are the games that are, uh, yeah, these are the games that are a lot of fun to watch because when now it's actually uh, elimination is on the line. So, right. yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm excited to watch the next few days here. Uh, and yeah, I'm pulling. Listen, I'm I'm even though I think. Uh, you know, I said Russia could be the the dark horse to pull off the upset. Canada was the favorite on paper. I'm still liking the U.S.'s chances. So, you know, especially with the way Zegers is going and the way the rest of the team is going. And all it takes is, uh, you know, those guys I had mentioned, Caulfield and Kali of kind of finding their shots again. And, yeah, and, and Knight has been, you know, perfect and, in that. Yeah, he, re- he rebounded really well after yep. that, you know, that, that poor game, which is, uh, which is what you need. You know what I mean? Because uh, you look at... Uh, Sweden's goaltender the other day was just, you know against the U.S. He was, uh, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was kind of lost at sea there a bit, but so was Knight. So that just goes to show that you, if you can pick yourself and and even Askarov has had trouble with some some goals here and there, but he's 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 uh, dug in when he had to. So that's what it's about. It's a short tournament. You don't get a lot of redos, so you just try to if you if something bad happens, you try to dust yourself off and just uh, dig in for the next one. And you know even if you have to fight it the whole game, you do what you have to do. So. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, 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 you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought, like, well, maybe we should wear a Montreal jersey. And then I was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. So... On to Rangers uh, training camp starting up uh, on Sunday. Uh, today, Gorton and JD addressed some members of the media. Like most uh, organizations around the league, they kind of give you the canned, happy to get going here. Uh, but I was actually surprised to see that a lot of their com- you know, a lot of the questions that were asked for them were specifically about how they're going to approach the circumstances around this season with the uh, expanded taxi squad. And what the implications of that, um, you know, Gorton had said that he he could see it being pretty helpful in terms of just ways to circumvent some salary things they usually have to deal with. Um, and, you know, much has been made about the fact that this expanded taxi squad, there's some, you know, a, a case of a kid we've talked about, like hey, Andre Miller, where usually even though under normal circumstances, you would just stick him in the AHL and let him earn his, earn his way up. Whereas with everything that's going on, uh, you know, I think uh, there was an article by Rick Carpinello for The Athletic where he talks about this, where he thinks, you know, honestly, this might be the year that it is best to let your rookies make their mistakes in the NHL because it's different circumstances. You don't know how tenuous the H- circumstances for the AHL will be uh, at this way. They can practice with the big club and you're going to need them. And, you know, it, it's uh, once again, I saw a stat. The Rangers are once again the youngest team on average in the National Hockey League. So. As you know, even though we're looking for them to make noise this season, you know, based on kind of the trajectory they were on last season, I don't think anyone's really at least realistically penciling them in for a Stanley Cup. But at the same time, you know, so I don't know. They're not going to get many more chances to 
experiment here. So I don't necessarily think it would be the worst case because, you know, if you because like I said, if it's not just a given, you can just send a guy down to the the AHL and they won't be there won't be complications between, you know, quarantine times and spreading and games getting canceled. We just don't know. So this might be the year for the taxi squad to, you know, to have that extended time to try guys and switch them in and out. You know, you're uh, especially guys that are kind of on that bubble, like Tim Gettinger, who we've seen good things out of. And you think he might be poised to he can potentially steal a spot on the fourth line. But now we have Morgan Barron competing for a spot, too. You have, uh, you know, Kevin Rooney coming in. You have some of the other free agents, your your Kodorenkos and your Newells and, your you know, these guys. So, uh yeah, man, I, it's uh, it, it's not surprising, but at the same time, it is interesting to think that, you know, go, the Rangers are really I think it's not going to be it, there's a lot to consider with uh, how you staff your roster and your taxi squad going forward. And I think a lot of it sometimes is going to be that even where common sense were for how things have operated in the past. It's not doesn't really apply because you have special considerations to take into account. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of. Uh, there's going to be between training camp and even probably the first few games, we're going to see a lot of rotations in the lineup and just trying things out because they don't have the time they usually have. They don't have exhibition games. They don't have uh, they only have a short training, you know, two week camp. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they what they pull off. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm glad that they've already kind of set the tone that they're not afraid to throw their younger guys into the ring right away. Uh, you know, you see, uh, you know, JD excited to, you know, see Miller in camp to see what he has. I, I think they're, they're either, you know, sending the message quick that, you know, this Rangers team is going to be young, they're going to be inexperienced, but we still have, you know, high expectations for uh, for the program. Uh, you know, JD said, you know, we got to hang our hat on something, and, and playoffs is certainly that. I think that's a reality, but ultimately, it's going to come down to, you know. Is the supporting cast of the New York Rangers going to be able to uh, consistently produce all year long? Because if they can, then I think you'll see a playoffs. If if they don't, then you can see <laughs> we're going to be at the bottom of the standings, and it's going to be tough to get out of given our division. Now, I have every everyone especially on twitter even the hockey podcast network that the east division is the most competitive um i definitely believe that but i'm su- kind of surprised how much respect the east is getting given that we i feel like everyone's standings though is exactly the same like uh, so i don't f- i don't feel like you know is it that competitive then if everyone has you know boston philadelphia pittsburgh washington and then the rest everyone else is going to beat up on is it because of those four teams or are we talking about the entire division andy because I everyone's out and the rangers out and the islanders out too yeah you know i think i think people because there's so much different this season and so much is un, is unquantifiable i think people are just trying to quantify, you know, they're, they're taking higher stock in known quantities. Uh, I told you that was it, a mistake though, going into the season. No, I agree. I, and I agree. Cause it's weird. You see, you know, on one list, I'll see, you know, Igor Shesterkin favorite for the Calder, but then I'll see like, you know, NHL tonight, like ranking the 16, you know, 15 of the, you know, 16 best, you know, basically half of the best goaltenders in the league and him not being on that list. I'm like, so he's going to win the Calder, but he's not gonna be one of the 16 best goaltenders in the league like what like it's just you know and listen you know i i i understand 
I definitely understand that there's you look at the Rangers defense and even just the unproven guys who are competing for a spot. So, yeah, that's definitely a weakness of theirs. And I guess with the as far as the Islanders go, you see, well, they're not, you know, they're they lose Derek Broussard. They lose uh, Devontae's. You know, they might have a kid come up and they're a year older. They resign Green and Martin, who are, you know, uh, are both long in the tooth. So, yeah, I, I guess they understand. But you we you don't really know. There's some of that nebulous stuff like we don't understand the impact of losing Zdeno Char, even though it's like you look at his on ice uh, numbers and you might think, well, it might be addition by subtraction at this age. But it's weird just not having those 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 presences in their locker room. It's going to change. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if the Capitals, which are the oldest team in the National Hockey League, actually, especially in a shortened season where maybe it might not be as big of a, a factor, the fact that they're maybe older. You know what I mean? I think, may, if anything, this might it might be good for them because they can you have a bunch of guys who've been there and done it before and they have something to prove now. They have a little burr in their saddle. So uh, it might be perfect for them. So it's a hard it's really it is hard to quantify this season, but yeah, I don't know no, what based on the Rangers, just the the strength of the Rangers goaltending. And just if you look at some teams that lost some offensive firepower, you know, Boston is going to be without uh, is they're going to be without Pasternak to start the season. If right. Um, uh, Cause he had surgery. Um, and yeah, I mean, Columbus, they resigned Dubois, but he's clearly, apparently he wants out. Uh, it's just, yeah, I think the Rangers, if anything, even though they seem like they're an unknown they're they might be, they might feel like one of the more stable organizations in the East, or at least in that new, uh, coast division, you know? Right. And it's, I don't know. It's one of those things too, where I, 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 Listen, I think a lot of people that are doing the rankings are just looking at the emblems and just saying, okay, these teams always end up on top. We got to pencil them in on top. Where, you know, the Rangers, everyone, the past few seasons, everyone's seen their name towards the bottom of the the list. And rightfully so. We've, you know, pretty much got rid of our entire core over the last, you know, two seasons. And the, you know, the team now is almost unrecognizable. To the point where I think that's almost beneficial. I, I think the teams that have established rosters and stuff like that, uh, an older team, are are gonna the season's gonna wear on them. And I know it's shorter, and I know it's it's um you know uh you know there there might be some eagerness to get the season started, but I think you know just the protocols and if there's drama with COVID within the team. You know, uh, you know, having to step up or play shorthanded, you know, some nights I really do think that it can be mentally draining for the older squads when they're so used to having, you know, their their season routines, their their, you know, you know, the day game routines and everything's flipped on its head. I really do think that, you know, it's it's better to have the younger team that hasn't really gone through the, you know, the trials of a, an actual NHL season, because this is all new. They don't know any better and they're all fighting for, you know, opportunities to play, you know, for this roster, especially with the taxi squad. You know, I just think that competition within this team is only going to elevate, you know, their play all season long. I believe in the young stars that we have. Um, the drama of Jack Johnson wearing 27 is probably the biggest thing bothering me right, right now with this team. And and uh, I do want to get your thoughts on it because you threw up the uh, training camp roster on me. <laughs> yeah, as far so as far as Jack Johnson uh, wearing 27, I can't say I feel great about it. But at the same time, it's like I don't have a good enough argument for why he shouldn't be able to. He's been in the league a long time. It's not like he's just some young punk. 
you know, McDonough, I mean, as much as I love McDonough, it was, uh, you know, it's just that, yeah, that's not, that number is not sacred really. You know what I mean? If it was Ryan Callahan. Yeah, exactly. It just, it feels weird if anything, but at the same time, I don't have a concrete, I don't have a, you know, I, I don't have a concrete reason why he shouldn't be able to do it. It just, you know, I think it's just one of those things. If, if it was another player, it might not be that case, but it's like, oh, so this guy is a worse replacement layer that, uh, player than Matt Mark Stahl, and he's going to wear our former captain's number. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, a part of me thinks he might be even just be, it, it's a trolling. Bit be trolling. I don't even know if that was his actual number, you know. And listen, he's been in the league longer than McDonough, so if he wants to wear that, he can, you know what I mean? So, but... It, yeah, it's it, not like it's a sacred. It's not like a sacred number or something. So, but I you're can't. with yeah. me, and when it, it kind of rubs you a little bit the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel great. I, if anything, I, I, feel dirty. I wish he was. I wish he wasn't wearing it. I yeah, say. <laughs> yes, <All right. laughs> but it's like at the same time, I'm just like, I don't, you know. Yeah, well, I, know. There, I think there's a couple factors here. All right, number one, McDonough was our last captain. It's not like we've replaced McDonough. We kind of just you know said, all right, we're just not doing a captain thing until we figure you know what we are. That's yeah. number one. So he was our last captain. Number two, yeah. if you look at it, I, you're exactly right. If it was a player that came up like, you know, Capococco's wearing 24, Callahan wore 24. So, you know, you don't feel dirty with, you know, our future wearing it. It's just there's something about Jack Johnson wearing 27 that kind of just it does bother me. Like and, and I know it shouldn't. And you're exactly right. There's no reason why he can't wear that number. It's just. I don't know. It, if I'm Jack Johnson, how do you not have some self-awareness and and not take the number of the last captain of the New York Rangers? I don't know. But we always, you know, there's obviously always the difference between uh, the perception of the fans and the perception of uh, players. And, you know, I don't obviously I don't think any of the players care. No, uh, no, no. I'm trying to like because in when Jack Johnson was in was in Pittsburgh I don't think he was 27 right he was like 70 something right um, uh 73 in I see I, oh I also and I also see 37 so I don't know where the 27 came from but um I don't know maybe that was his number originally or in, in college or he just wanted a different number uh who knows maybe him and Ryan McDonough are somewhat friendly and they it's all good you know but well, that would I would actually be okay with, you know, if you wore, you know, uh, if you wore twenty seven with the, the acceptance of Ryan McDonough, but uh, didn't didn't someone add, did Adam Fox call Jeff Boom and ask if he can wear twenty three or something? Or am I crazy? Or I made that up? Oh, I I don't remember hearing anything about that. But you know, a lot of stuff happens. We never hear about it. You know, you get buy a guy a Rolex or you know buy me a dinner. Right, you know, give right. me a bottle of wine type stuff or or just out of respect. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, but I just, I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, I think the fans care more than, you know, obviously the Rangers are letting him wear it. So I don't think they care, you know, they trade, they no, traded right. a guy. So it's yeah, like, right. and there is a, there is a, there is a perception. I do feel about even with the treatment of Lundquist, not treatment. I don't want to say they treated him bad, but you just look at the, the way the Rangers kind of try are trying to divorce themselves from the, the the feeling of that Rangers era that didn't get it done under Lundquist with uh, Stepan. Maybe that was and, part of the contract. McDonough. <laughs> yeah, it's I like... I had to wear 27. You, 
Like yeah. your job this season isn't to play defense. It's to really have the Ranger Needle. fans help guide them to moving on from what the old Rangers were. Yeah. And I, they're really trying to do that. They are, they're trying to, uh, it, it, I have felt that they are trying to usher in this new era of Rangers hockey. And, you know, as nice as that was, it's like, you can't be stuck in that mind. You know, those, those players aren't here anymore. Chris Kreider is the only one left, uh, you know, so he'll, and he'll be here for another year, but you know, you know, six or seven years, but, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's that's definitely part of it because if you look at this roster and you compare it to a roster even three years ago, it's uh, vastly different. <laughs> it is extremely different. So, um, yeah, like I said, don't have a good reason why Jack yeah, Johnson can't so, work twenty seven, well, but I don't like. Let's, it. Yeah, all right. So let's get into like the biggest drama I think of the morning. Not not the number obviously, but uh, Zabenajad not being able to skate on Monday. I know you had some thoughts on it, so I'm going to I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Gordon says that Mika is a manager one of the three players. I forget who the other two are that won't be available for the first skate on Monday morning. Uh, obviously, now this is the question. Is he there's obviously a lot of speculation why that may be. Does he have a nagging injury? Uh, did he contract COVID-19? Uh, is he quarantining? My understanding is that I think popular wisdom seems to be that he got only got to the U.S. recently for whatever reason, uh, didn't have enough time to quarantine do or do his full quarantine. So that's going to hold him out. Uh, I don't know if it's more or less than that. It might not even be that. It might be more than that. He may. But at the same time, uh, it was downplayed rightfully so by the by Gorton and J.D. Um, you know, don't want to cause a stir. So until I'm not going to worry about it yet, there's so much I spent so much needless time as a Rangers fan worrying about every little thing and what happened. But, you know, I don't think he's injured. Uh, I don't think he has COVID-19. I just think he got here and he still has to finish his quarantine. You know, maybe the rain and who knows, it might have been something where they were trying to get him back earlier. And just for whatever reason, he couldn't. Maybe there's a little bit of like, well, we wish you would have. But whatever, we're not going to publicly sewer one of our most popular players. We just don't know. So. You know, I can speculate, sit here and speculate all I want, but I really do think it's that. I just think for whatever reason, he only got to the U.S. Uh, I believe he officially landed uh, two days ago, as my friend texts me saying, Mika, day to day. Yeah, so I just, um, I think it's, he just has to finish his, uh, you know, his quarantine period. So uh, I'm sure, yeah, we won't see him on Monday, but who knows? I'm hoping we see him sometime uh, next week. Yeah, uh, one thing concerns me, and then one thing actually puts my mind at ease a little bit. And the one thing that does concern me is that they kind of said that we hope that it's not long term. I don't know why you would even say that if there wasn't a possibility of it being long term. So that kind of puts me at you know a little uneasy feeling in my stomach right now. Uh, Justin Richards was the other one that wasn't allowed to uh, uh, wasn't going to be skating on Monday. Um, and then uh, the one thing that does make me feel better is that teams pretty much have been very honest with who you know who can play and who can't uh you know especially with their stars obviously you mentioned you know in boston uh Pasternak is going to miss the beginning of the season kirby doc is out for a long time uh taze is out uh down in tampa you have um who's down out in tampa not brady uh, point well, um, Kucherov, Kucherov had, yeah, yeah. yes. Well, he, I think he had surgery. 
Yeah, so he's out a long time. I think, you know, if something was serious wrong, seriously wrong with Zibanejad, I don't think the Rangers would have any problem coming out and saying, don't expect to see him until May or something, you know, something wild like that. So, yeah, no, I don't think it's anything like that. It could, like you said, he could either, he could either be, maybe he tested positive. Maybe he's feeling under the weather. Maybe that's, they're playing it by year. Maybe he got tested. We don't have the results yet. You just don't know. Maybe it's a, he's in just a little thing. He tweaked in training. Yeah, they never tell you anyway, so it doesn't even make a difference. You know, you look at you look at Jonathan Taze coming out and saying he's going to miss some time because he's dealing with some, you know, lethargy issues, which obviously I'm no doctor and I, I don't know. Out of respect to his privacy, you have to imagine it might be there's speculation. It might be he contracted COVID and is dealing with the lingering fatigue issues or respiratory things, and you just don't know, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said with Mika, I, you know, I, I can think of the worst case scenario and I can think of the best case scenario. So until we have more, I'm not going to totally freak out um, because I'm, I'm enjoying this too much. I've waited too long to have my, you know, my mood destroyed right now. So I'm just going to say I'm going to I'm going to keep it day to day. And once it's beyond day to day, then I'll start worrying about like, OK, what's going on here? So, Andy, I'm listing you as day to day on how you feel. About yeah, I'm day to day. My mood day to day. OK, day to day. My okay. mental state is day to day. <laughs> okay. All right. So Andy's officially day to day to start the season. We don't know where he's going to be come uh, this Monday. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, Andy, you'll be, uh, you know, just ready to go once puck, the puck can drop. Uh, another, another obviously huge story for the New York Rangers is rosters flooded with elite left wingers. Can they go and play the right side? They kind of addressed this issue, but they didn't really give any details, which kind of leaves you again in another endless loop of where you'll find, you know, I I, I want to call them the big three. I guess they're just the big three left wingers, but uh, Kreider, uh, Panarin, and our baby Lafreniere. So, Andy, in an ideal world, where do you pencil these guys in to, on uh, opening night against the Islanders? I mean, in an ideal world you think that even in a short camp, it's apparent that Lafreniere is good enough to play alongside Mika on the top line. Uh, you know, the only thing that would, he would, I think, uh, I think uh, Vince Mercagliano asked uh, Gorton specifically about, you know, who's going to, with so many wingers, is there a possibility guys move over? And he said, listen, I'll leave that to David Quinn. He's the coach, but he said, I would imagine Panarin is staying put. Obviously, after the season he had, why change that? But at the same time, the organization does seem comfortable with the fact that a lot of their wingers can switch. Kreider's played both sides before. Uh, maybe not Buchnevich so much. Kako has played both sides at different times. Uh, and Lafreniere, even in his career, has played both sides. You know, you want to put every guy in the best position to uh, succeed. But at the same time, obviously, if that comes at the space of playing top six minutes, you don't really know. So... I wouldn't be surprised. I still think Lafreniere starts on the third line left wing spot. I just have that feeling. Uh, you know, the biggest thing a lot has been made about the fact that you, you know, Jesper Faust had a was a, you know, played a good role with that uh, Strom and Panarin, and that he would kind of get the do the hard work to get the puck to one of them. So you want a player like that, which would make me think a guy like Kreider, at moving over to the right side for that spot might actually that might actually. Uh, you know, that kind of solves two problems of that. That's a less competition for Lafreniere to get into the top six on the left. And at the same time, you know, he still gets to, you know, make meaningful impact and do what he does best. Use that big body, get in early, kind of turn his brain off, win pucks, hold him and get him to one of uh, either 
Panarin or Strom for them to, you know, to do what they do best. So that could be good. Although I don't know if Kreider has really played. I don't remember him playing uh, too many uh, significant minutes. I don't know if that was something they just didn't try or if it was just they didn't want to switch him. But obviously having Lafreniere changes a lot of things. And then, uh, yeah, I could see. I could see. But like I said, I, I think Lafreniere. I, he probably starts on the third line and then works his way up. Yeah, I do wonder because at times we've, you know, Quinn's been not been afraid to take a Phil G. Giuseppe and throw him alongside Mika oh. or even, you know, those guys if he likes where it's going. So you, you will have, you have to wonder does that mean all of a sudden that a, a Julian Gauthier could somehow get a, get a look in those, in that spot up there? You know, it's a lot, it's a lot going on. Or does that mean are they, are they waiting for Kako to, uh, to supplant Buchnevich, you know, especially if he comes into camp even bigger and stronger than last and more confident than last year? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, but I think most likely you're going to see one of, I wouldn't even be surprised if they, that Lafreniere is the one they move over. Maybe they start, you know, um, maybe Buchnevich gets bumped down or even Kako. I, you know, I, there's a lot of combinations to try to make this work. But I do think it's going to be they're going to take a look in camp. And I think whoever looks the best, you're going to try each guy's moved over and whoever looks the best. That's what they're probably going to end up starting with. Right. I'm very, very intrigued to see what they have going on in camp once they hit the ice in a few days. Um, or I guess realistically, it's like two days. Um, and when this comes out, it'll actually be currently. Yep. Um, you know, I. For me, if I'm Quinn, uh, I'm looking at this roster and I see a lot of young faces. I'm going to want experience up and down that lineup. I think you're going to have to roll four lines a lot of the season. And I think you might as well start right away, not waste any time, and just have NHL experience right right down your roster. Um, I I wouldn't mind throwing you know Lafreniere on the first line with uh, Mika uh, and Buchnevich um, and then kind of move Kreider to that third line just to just to have a little bit more experience uh, and depth on that third line. And, and, you know, the fourth line, certainly, you know, as of right now, I, th- I feel like it's too early to even pencil a single person onto that line. Maybe Lemieux uh, probably will jump up there, but even Lemieux is one of those guys that, you know, if, if Quinn likes how he looks, I don't think he'd mind, you know, Lemieux jumping up to the third line either. So I, I think it all depends. I- I wouldn't even be surprised if Lemieux was a guy who would get paired with Meek every so often. And they had some good chemistry. So can you, Matt, I, I would not be shocked if at some point, even, even hell, even the first game of the season versus the Islanders who were a, a heated rival, that if you had Lemieux on that first line spot next to Mika and Buchnevich or, La, you know, Lafreniere or Kreider, if he switches over, I just, uh, yeah, it wouldn't, you know, I don't think it, it's the most likely path, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked. I think he would be someone Quinn wouldn't hesitate to put up there, especially because he, if he thinks it could bring more balance to the rest of his lineup and solve a little right. bit of their issues with the bottom six. You know, he, he's a guy you want to get ice time, even though he's not. But if you put him with guys who maybe can handle more of the offensive weight and just let him do what he does. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I really do think that nobody is safe except for uh, Zabenajad and Panarin. I really do think yeah. Every other spot in the lineup is up for grabs, and and Quinn is going to give it to the best player available. And I think Quinn is also going to look to keep this you know entire lineup balanced. You really can't have a line of rookies or a, a line of unproven guys with fourteen essentially fourteen day skating days together and thrown out there against the New York Islanders. You know, I just I feel like they'll get 
they're going to be broken down in two in two seconds, you know, with the experience and, and structure that the Islanders have. So, uh, and, and that goes across for any any you know any team. I, I think he's going to really need you know balance down up and down the lineup. Yeah, no, I I, I agree wholeheartedly because, uh, like you said, we have you have so many guys that even in that bottom six between. Uh, you know, you, you bring in uh, a Rooney and you have Morgan Barron and, and uh, Brett Howden, who has been kind of maligned and up and down, but we're kind of unsure how the organization views his potential and Gautier and Gettinger and all these guys. You have a lot. It's a lot of competition for that, you know, the bottom six and specifically that fourth line. Uh, but who knows? And we also just don't because when your roster is this young, they take, you know, every year is a step or, you know, so you just don't know if it's going to be a, a, a you know, a giant leap or if it's going to be like a, a baby step. You know, we thought Heedle was ready to take a giant leap and he kind of took a half step, but he slowly kind of worked his way up as the season went along. Um, but who knows? We don't know if all of a sudden Brett Howden, who we've been harping on all of last year for his decision making, all of a sudden he could look like a horse and just like just do what he does with more consistency and maybe hold on to the puck a little bit more and be a little bit more comp. You just don't know. You know what I mean? So, but to your point, I definitely think you're right. You do want to insulate each. You don't just want to have a line of, you know, three young guys with questions about their defense, their play off the puck. So if right. you could, if moving Kreider down to, to make it that third line, it does make it, when you see Chris Kreider on the third line, it does make your puff your chest out a little bit more. You know what I mean? As opposed right. to maybe having, you know, KZB, uh, Panarin, Strom, and hell, let's say Kako, and then you say Lafreniere, Heedle, and then you, you, who knows, even if it's Lemieux, or it's like, it's like, okay, but just taking Kreider and maybe either moving him over to the third, the right wing slot on the third side, or even just letting him stick at left wing and him switching him with uh, Lafreniere. Yeah, you puff your chest out a bit more. You feel like you have your longest tenured player is in the firmly in the middle six of your, your lineup. It just feels, you know, and other teams kind of note that too. It kind of, you kind of, sub, you know, subconsciously feel the weight of that. So that might be right. the move. And, but. And, and I don't think Quinn will, will be, you know, hesitant to quickly put that line back together. If, you know, we get, we string a couple shifts of just pure dominance and all of a sudden he has got those three guys sitting on the bench all at once. You guys go, let's see if we can get a quick one here you know, with guys that, you know, are, are comfortable playing together, can, you know, jump on the ice without any practice, so to speak, and, and be comfortable together. So uh, I think you'll see different different line combinations even throughout the game. I think, you know, the last five minutes of a period, you might see the two stacked lines, you know, maybe going every other shift or last 10 minutes of a game. Quinn going to three different lines and, you know, kind of stacking the first two uh, you know, to his liking. So I, yeah. I, I really do think, you know, Quinn is going to have a lot of management to do on the bench, even during, you know, the games. I don't think he's just going to let the yeah. lines, you know, roll one through four or without any changes. No, exactly. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he's, like I said, at some point you might even see for a short period of a game, you might even have Lafreniere and Kreider with Heedle on the third line, you know, mm -hmm. but lines only and numbers only, you know, everyone kind of getting more equal ice time. Uh, especially while they're figuring stuff out, you know, and like I said, maybe you do have like Lemieux, Mika, Butch, uh, Strom, uh, uh, Panarin, Strom, Kako, Kreider, or Lafreniere, uh, Heedle, and then wh whichever one plays on the opposite wing. Yeah, who knows? You just, uh, you have so many common, there's a lot to figure out. I think that's, you know, going back to what you said before, why players are like I, a lot of players, the, uh, yeah, a lot of even the prognosticators don't know how to peg the Rangers. They don't know 
they don't have input data for you know past performance or it's been poor because they've been finding their way and it only projects this way and they don't you know they're not even, a lot of the players metrics, are... yeah even the metrics for capo caco last year i mean he wasn't a good player like like no. metric wide but then you get him put him in the bubble that was a completely different player and if everyone's saying he's bigger stronger faster than last year then you're looking at a completely different player with a you know and playing a different completely role yeah, exactly. And I mean, we've already had, you know, it's already coming out of the devil's camp that Hughes in the offseason, uh, you know, he put out of 10 pounds, you know, to his weight and he looks like a little bit more assertive and confident and stronger. And yeah, that's going to happen. To all these guys are getting older. That's going to happen to Lafreniere. Apparently, he's already up to like just shy of six two and 205 pounds. You know what I mean? And they and I think last year he was playing at like six one right around 200 or, you know, maybe just right under like 197 or something. So, yeah, the Rangers are going to be uh, they're looking to be a big, fast skilled. They're looking to have it all. They want to, you know, have their cake and eat it, too. Uh, and yeah, it's just I just don't I really don't know how how far ahead will he look like how far ahead. And you forget how young some of these guys are, because, you know, he's going on. What is uh, he his third NHL season now? And yeah. he's still I mean, like 20. We just turned 21, right? Yeah, just turned 21. Just turn 21. And when do you, you know, you, when you're, you, what, you, you grow until you're right. You know, some people grow until they're 22, 23, right? You know, at least yeah. physically you know, or height wise. And that's not counting, you know, how much muscle or, you know, or, you know, lean muscle you can add each year. So, yeah, it's like you all of a sudden you have the Howdens and the Heatles of the world. They're feeling more comfortable being in a big body and, and yeah, turning into men. Exactly. And we saw Heedle was much better winning battles along the boards last year. You can only imagine what he's going to look like coming into camp this year. You know what I mean? So. Right. And, and, you know, again, I, I know, you know, last podcast, we, I kind of harped that like there's certain guys that we're going to find out what they are and they're going to dictate how this season goes. And, and, you know, I certainly believe in them. I believe in Heedles. I, I, I believe in Heedles development. I truly do. I mean, uh, I saw the video of him just doing dips and I know that has absolutely nothing to do with his success this season, but you can just tell he's not the string bean anymore. He was jacked. I mean, we all saw the pictures of Kako before and then in the bubble, he looked like a completely different player. It's just like, it, it's just amazing. And just, we, we're not used to seeing this many young players be play such an important role in the Rangers in a very long time. And these are the growing pains. These are the questions that we all have to ask. And these are the answers that we'll eventually get throughout the course of the season. Um, and then you got guys like, you know, the Truba and we haven't really talked much about the defense, but you know, you know, it doesn't really matter what our four lines look like. If, you know, if, if, if our Trubas our Foxes and, and, you know, D'Angelo's are, are not playing a hockey throughout the whole season, we're screwed. You know, we're, we're going to be at the bottom of the standings without a doubt. So Again, there's a lot of questions still to be, you know, answered. And the only way to answer them is to get the season started. And we're right there. Exactly. And it'll be interesting to see, especially as, you know, they start doing uh, scrimmages and we get maybe some of the, the news and notes on that. If we do, I am very curious to see how they're going to cover this training camp. Uh, obviously, I saw they're keeping the media at least distance or far up in the stands or, you know, I know the that that practice rink at uh, 
for the MSG training center is a little different. It's a little bit, you know, it's a it's not like it's in a building with like bleachers or anything. So yeah, who knows how, what type of coverage we're going to get. If we're going to get like terrible cell phone videos here and there, you won't get like the same people with their iPhones out. Uh, I just don't know if that's a possibility, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, they don't have a lot of time. You know, you bring in a guy like Jacques Martin to try to, to fix uh, some things that have plagued them the last few seasons. Will, you know, will that be, can he just fix maybe one or two things that pay dividends or is it going to be a slow process? We don't know. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to your point, James, that even, you know, I think they they like the taxi squad because there's maybe guys they want to factor into their lineup, but they're also very reticent to be just to award it to them, you know, or just to say like, oh, they're probably ready. You know, I think they've been hoping for a while. Libor Hayek can, can fill and be, you know, a, a stable uh, bottom pairing defender who can maybe move around if they need him to, you know, they want him to take that spot. You know, they're hopeful reunion can factor for them for the time being, because I think, uh, you know, I, and it, as much as it pains me to say this, you know, as a fan and who loves our prospects, it's like, I think they would like to be in a position where they can say, Oh, well this, we can maybe now one of these guys in the pipelines expendable. Cause right now I don't think anyone's expendable until they know, you know, how some of these other guys play. You know what I mean? They don't know what they have in Reunion yet. Uh, they really don't know where K. Andre's ceiling is yet, or his floor for that matter. Uh, they're hoping it's at least, a, you know, an NHL player. But um, yeah, they just don't know yet. And, you know, at a certain point, if think you know, they want things lining up where they can say, as much as I love, uh, you know, as much as I, and you know, like I said, this sounds like sacrilege, but it's like, as much as I love guys like, Nils Lungfist, who scored uh, another goal today. And now I think he's like in all of the SHL again. He, I think he's first in power play goals. I think he's like seventh or eighth in points. Uh, he's, I think, I think he's number one for, you know, uh, he's 20 years old. So he's for, you know, 20 year old defenders or under 21 year old defenders. So, uh, I mean, just amazing. But, you know, we know, we know that we have Pierre Luc Dubois has asked, he still wants to get traded out of Columbus. We know Eichel has a kind of tenuous situation in, uh, yeah, you're going to have a lot of, a lot of guys getting bridged, especially with COVID. So you have to wonder at a certain point, if their injuries are comfortable and you have all these, these caliber, high caliber players that want out and they can offer a package that involves a crafts off and a lung fist. You know what I mean? All of a sudden that's, uh, you know, other teams can't really match that, you know, especially if they're happy with, the rest of their roster, even though it hurts to lose a guy, you know, a young prospect that's that that could you don't know he might even pan out to be in the end it looks bad. But at the same time, if they're like we're comfortable with where everyone's at and you can add a guy like a Eichel or a PLD who's still young, but at the same time is like a top flight, you know, NHL player, you do it. You know what I mean? So uh still a lot of unknowns, but I think that's kind of the beauty of it is that they're uh, with this weird season that's about to go with uh, this taxi squad kind of gives you a chance to get an extended look where maybe under other circumstances you wouldn't, they just guys would be in the AHL and kind of be hands off. And you saw how that affected players like crafts off and Leah Sanderson. Uh, yeah. So, so maybe having guys on a shorter leash will be better. Maybe it will be Miller will feel better. Even if he doesn't factor into games as much, he's practicing with the big club. He is going to, someone will get hurt that he will get time here and there. Maybe it won't be a lot, but at the same time, um, it might be, maybe it's for the best, you know? Yeah. And you know what though? I, I'm going to bring the whole mood of this podcast down and that's, and, and maybe I'll give it, I'll send it back to you to lift this back up. Sure. But I think at the end of the day, our defense, I, listen, the forwards, I think you're going to, you're going to like what you see. You know, you're going to get a chance to see the young kids, you know, play and, and have a large role all season long. 
defense, however, I really do unfortunately think, and it's not a, you know an awful thing, but I think you'll see a lot of Jack Johnson, a lot of Anthony Potato, and I think we're going to be disappointed in the amount of ice time that a Keandre Miller sees and a, you know, uh, oh God, even even Runinen, Tarmo Runinen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll. I think we'll be disappointed there, and uh, I hate to say it, but I, I do think you know we'll we'll be spoiled more on the forward end with Lafreniere and and Kako seeing a ton of minutes. But overall, I think on the defense they're going to go with uh, you know what they know, NHL experience, and because um, I think you know it's just defense is different. There, there's you need you can't really experiment too much with it, otherwise it can really lead to the entire team breaking down. Exactly. You know, you have to imagine, I do think, imagine both uh, Brendan Smith and uh, Jack Johnson are a play on that opening uh, game versus the Islanders. But at the same time, we do know that internally they are high on reunion and, and we do know that they really are hoping that Hayek can finally grab a spot. So, uh, yeah, it, weird because even I, I feel like even Rangers beat writers, which are usually a little bit more. Uh, you know, pump the brakes fans like, you know, this is different. They even they're hoping they understand that Jack Johnson at this stage in the game is, uh, yeah, is a can be a liability. But, you know, just sometimes they, it's just, yeah, just teams for whatever reason, they 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 view the the known over the unknown. And I guess that's to be expected. So, yeah, you just you don't really know. But that's the beauty of this taxi squad is that these guys will be available to you. And if it doesn't work one day, you don't have to worry about waivers and this and that so you can just uh you have them ready to you know if, if one guy's not working out you have another guy ready to go and see if he can step up so uh i'm excited i i you know it's finally we've been it's been a long road to get here we've been speculating uh to find listen we there's a i there's like a cell phone video of some guy what on his tv of a commercial where lafreniere in a full rangers uniform is uh is like beating the coronavirus in a shootout we retweeted it and just seeing that uh, had me absolutely pumped of a, a you know a tiny cell phone video of Lafreniere uh, doing shootout moves on a on a guy in a in a bad coronavirus uh, suit, and it made me so pumped to see what the Rangers could do this year, and just so pumped to see what he's got in store. And that's just yeah, no more like, and that's you know that's the floor. The floor is me getting that excited over that. And so now to actually see that like you know numbers from lines from practice, and they're trying out these guys, and to see. Maybe a cliff of a you know beauty goal someone scores in a scrimmage. I can't wait. I'm I'm my body is ready. Uh, so yeah. Do you have anything else to add, James? Yeah, this is the last podcast of speculation. I mean, we're gonna have hard data in front of us from here on out. You know, we're gonna have the clip of training camps. We're we're gonna have what a uh, a, a, a a Quinn's roster is gonna be looking like right away because they only have 14 days to hit the ground running the season and starts. There's no you know, you know, there's no, you know, scrimmages between the Rangers and Devils. There, you know, we're not going down to Philly, you know, where you're going to see basically all our kids lined up and with all our big stars, you know, sitting there, there is no, there's no preseason. So this is it. Like they're going to start and they're going to start day one. Quinn, you know, I know he's probably been thinking this about this way more than we have combined about what, you know, a roster is going to be looking like, you know, when they drop the puck and, and, uh, you know, at the garden. So again, no more speculation. We finally have hard data in front of us and I couldn't be more pumped. I'm just, I cannot wait. 
Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening to us. Uh, we'll see you all again on our next episode drops on Thursday. Uh, just a quick notes. You can follow us as always uh, at Broadway boys pod on Twitter. Uh, we've changed our RSS feed for our podcast. So uh, I, I did. Some people did reach out to me and they saying they weren't seeing the last one on our old feed. Like if you subscribe on either uh, Spotify or Apple. So there is new ones. They're out there, but all you have to do is go to our Twitter app, Broadway Boys Pod, and the link that's in our bio, click on it, and then there will be uh, the new hub for our new podcast, so you can subscribe to that. So if you're not seeing new episodes come up, uh, just do that. And yeah, we'll see you all on Thursday. And as the title of this episode says, start your engines. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>